Right, most of us were here on Friday. We started to look at the life of David. We started to look at David as a model for us in this generation. It's interesting when the New Testament writers talk about David, Stephen says he was a man who served God in his generation. Paul says about David, he was a man who had a heart after God. And I believe that's true of this church. It's true of these group of churches that we're working with. But actually, we are a people with a heart after God. And actually, therefore, we're going to serve God in our generation. We're not going to stay still and stay static. God's going to give movement and momentum to us as we start to break out. Do you know what? We're not that special. I mean, just take a look down your row. If we had a mirror, we could even enforce it even more. And we saw on Friday how actually it's not the strong and the wise and the well-connected and the noble and the titled and those who have everything that God calls. Actually, it's the ordinary ones. It's the have-nots. It's the weak. It's the lowly. It's not necessarily those who are strong. But actually, God in his grace, takes hold of feeble people like you and me, so that his grace might be seen even more powerful, so that we might see this is God and not us. I mean, I don't think Joe has got the ability to plant a church like this. I don't think, I know Gary hasn't. And have you met Kevin? (laughs) Marilyn, yes. (laughs) Just, it's not our intelligence. It's not our ability. It's not, these guys are great of themselves, but God is great in them and through them. And actually, God is going to do amazing things. He's chosen the weak the foolish. He's chosen the lowly. He's chosen people just like you and me. You fit in. You've come home. You've found the right place. Weak people, mighty God. God is going to do something. That's what we saw, David. We saw that he was chosen of God. We saw that when Samuel came to David's home uh, and asked to see all the sons, seven sons lined up. David wasn't even in the lineup. And Samuel said, no, not this one. No, not this one. No, not this one. Haven't you got any more? I love it in the text. He said, we're not even going to sit down till you get the last one. And then he parades this little boy in, little teenager, not even shaven yet, you know, fresh-faced youth. He said he was handsome. It really just means he's a pretty boy. You know, he's, a, he's, not, even, he's not even matured yet. And the Spirit of God says to Samuel, this one, Samuel, I'm anointing this one. I'm coming on this one. And therefore, Samuel anoints David with oil, pours the oil upon him and says, you are going to be anointed king. You're called to reign. You're called to rule. You're called for greatness. God is upon you. And it said the spirit of the Lord came on uh, David in power. That's where we left the story. Now, maybe that's happened to you. Maybe that you have felt I'm a nobody. Maybe you've come on Alpha and you've heard the amazing story of Jesus and how he gave his life for you and how he calls you to give your life for him. You feel you're a weak person and nobody, but actually you found identity here. You found dignity here. You found that he's got a plan and a call on your life. And you've come along and you've been filled with the Spirit, the same Spirit that was on David. Not a modern facsimile, not 
Baker Spirit Light. Not, you know, some version for the modern world that's kind of watered down. No, the same Holy Spirit that was on David. The same Holy Spirit that turned Gideon from a weak, ineffectual man to a mighty, powerful leader. The same Holy Spirit that was on our Lord Jesus. On you. Kind of good story. But that's not where the story ends. Because as soon as we get filled with the Spirit, as soon as God calls and anoints us, that calling and anointing is often tested. And that's what we see in the next chapter. So if you'd like to turn to your Bibles, this is 1 Samuel chapter 17. We looked at 16 yesterday. This is 17. Now, it's a long chapter. But actually, I feel to read it to you. I hope you don't mind a bit of storytelling. Now, the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Succoth in Judah. The Philistines were the mighty army. They were the enemies. They'd already defeated the mighty Moabites. The Moabites were a great nation. The Philistines had already defeated them. Israel was just this pathetic little nation next door. So they decide, let's have a bit of fun with this. Let's, let's not have a big battle. We know we could just wipe them out anyway. The Philistines were known as a mighty army that would just sweep through. We could do that. Let's have a bit of fun. We've got a pretty big boy at the back. Let's bring him out. Let's bring Goliath out. Let's bring our big boy to the front. And let's see if anyone's as big as him. Let's see if any one of your guys can meet our guys. And do you know what? We'll do you a bit of a wager. If your big guy wins, we'll surrender to you. But if our big guy wins, we win. Now, the Israelites didn't have much choice because they were going to get beat either way. They pitched their camp. And Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another. And the champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, that's important, we'll remember that later. He came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. If you add it up, he's about nine foot six. I mean, that's even bigger than Dan. (laughs) Yeah. Dan was quite impressive leading the worship. I thought there's a Goliath of a guy, especially standing next to John. <laughs> but he's, how tall are you? Six, pathetic. Six, three. This is nine foot six. This is a big boy. Okay. He was overnight. He had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor, bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, which is 125 pounds or 57 kilograms, whatever you cook in. He had this massive javelin on his back. The spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. Its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which is 15 pounds or 7 kilograms. Gas mark 7. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this, the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now, 
David <laughs> was the son of a man named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem, a little town in Judah. And basically, they've sent the older brothers out to war. David's instructed, if you read it, next few verses, to bring the cheese sandwiches out to them. Very important battle, very important strategy. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up cheese sandwiches, and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle line, greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, remember that, we'll come back to Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran for him in great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He'll also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. Good deal. David asked the man standing near them, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And basically what happens is David is brought in line to Saul. He says, I'm going to go and do this. And if you read just further down. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. This is funny. Do you laugh when you read the Bible? You should. This is little boy. Little David doesn't shave yet. He comes to the king and says, don't, don't lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant, your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. And this man's been fighting since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried uh, off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I just seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed the lion, the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of these because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul says to David, go, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> then it's quite funny. He tries to put on Saul's own armor, this massive, heavy armor. It said about Saul, we saw this yesterday, that Saul was head and shoulders bigger than anyone in Israel. Who do you think should have been going out to fight Goliath? <laughs> We've got a head and shoulders man. We've got a king who's powerful. We've got a king who's mighty. But he says, you can have my armor. David said, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He just took his staff in hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, who's got his own shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. I think this is funny. He's like, hang on a minute, I need to get closer. This guy looks small. I must be, I must be far away. I think that's what it means. <laughs> And the closer he gets, the smaller David seems to get. He looked at David, he looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome. Again, that doesn't mean necessarily he was good looking, it just means he was a girly, unshaven, you know. And he, 
he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel who you've defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I'll give the carcasses of, this Philist- of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly towards the battle line to greet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and it struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell to the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without even a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from its scabbard, and he killed him. He cut off his head with his sword. Then the Philistines saw that their hero was dead. They turned and ran, and the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines right to the entrance of Gath. What an amazing victory. And what does this teach us today? First of all, it teaches us this, that we need to be looking at the right things. See, the Philistine army was looking at Goliath. He was impressive. He was easy to look at. You couldn't miss him in a crowd. He was massive. Nine foot six. What are you looking at? What things in your life come and taunt you? What things come out and defy you? What things come out and say, I'm the king. I'm the boss. Is it a health issue in your life? Does that come and taunt you sometimes? Is it a circumstance in your family? that taunts you? Is it a relational issue that taunts you? Is it a financial issue that just seems to taunt you? Every day you wake up, you see this blinking big Goliath in your face. You can't get away from it. He taunts you. He teases you. He says, you are pathetic. I am very big. Maybe a character weakness. Maybe that temper that so easily flares up. Maybe that lust that flares up. You so easily want to go and look at things you shouldn't look at. Maybe that fear that you have. Maybe that bitterness that comes upon you. What's your Goliath? Because the truth is every one of us has a Goliath. Every one of us, the enemy has a scheme and he comes to us and he taunts us and he defies us and he defies the army of the living God. The Israelites were transfixed by Goliath. They could not take their eyes off him. What are you looking at? See, David didn't see a big man. David saw an uncircumcised man. Now, we won't actually get into the detail of that. What he meant was, this is not a covenant man of God. This is not part of the covenant. Do you know what? God's not with him. God's not with him. Excuse me, God's not with him. God's with us. We're not a pathetic little nation next to Moab. We are the nation of God. We're the people of God's presence. God's with us. 
and God's not with him. What's the problem, guys? Come on. God's not with him. So what, is, what are you looking at? What is the thing that occupies your mind? David didn't see a big guy. He saw a big God. Some people take great delight in telling God their problems. God, this is my problem. God, can't you see my problem? Listen, we're not called to tell God about our problems. We're called to declare to our problems how big our God is. We're called to say, I'm going to take your head off because God's not with you. See, God's not with that temper. God's not with that lust. God's not with that sickness. God's not with that financial issue. God's not with that relational problem. God's not with that. He's with us. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. What's your gaze on? What's your focus on? What's your, what are you looking at? And it's, all, it's like the Israelite army, they just couldn't, they couldn't comprehend anyone else could win other than Goliath. He'll take any one of us out. We were joking this weekend. Andrew's a pretty good big guy from Owen Sound, a carpenter by trade. Pretty good kind of tradition of history. Carpenter. He's a pretty big guy. Gary's not so big. But he's pretty stocky. So John was doing a little wager. I wonder who'd, who'd take out who. I wonder if, you know. And we thought, actually, it might while away an afternoon just to see who'd take out who. Listen, there was no contest. Goliath would take anyone out. But suddenly David saw someone bigger. I like adventure films, grew up with uh, those kind of things. And uh, I can remember seeing the first Indiana Jones movie. Do you remember that? You'll probably only watch religious films and Christian films. And, uh, <coughs> I, I'm sure you've never even heard of the Indiana Jones Chronicles. But uh, nevertheless, Indy is a hero. Isn't he great, isn't he? Harrison Ford playing him. And there's that great one in that first film where he's escaping. He's just found the Ark of the Covenant. He's just found the Ark. And it, but actually, the Nazis are now... I mean, where are the Nazis coming to? I have no idea. But the... <laughs> the nut, although most people probably get more theology from the Ark of the Covenant than they do that film, and they do from the Bible, but never mind. They, <clears throat> they've just captured the Ark, the Nazis have got Indus trying to escape. If you remember, he sees the plane, he thinks, I'll escape in the plane. And uh, he's gonna, he knocks the pilot out easy, he's just about, he takes one chock away, he's just about to get in the plane, take the other chock, and suddenly the captain of the guard comes out. Do you remember that? Great big guy, bare chested. You know, barrel-chested, like, like I said earlier, like yesterday, Gary with legs. You know, it's like really, really big guy. And, and he's coming out, and he's bald-headed, isn't he? And he's this shiny guy, you know, all greased down and shiny. And he's just going to take, you know, he's just going to take Indy out with one swipe. And he's just going to get him, and he starts to fight Indy. He bashes him to the ground, and he's just about to smash Indy to the ground, to smash him to pulverization, when you notice that this chock, only one chock's been knocked away on the aircraft. And the aircraft has been moving around all this time. And because you're the viewer, Spielberg kind of lets you know that's happening. And you can sense what's happening. And you suddenly realize that Indy realizes what's happening. And Indy realizes the battle's all over. Something bigger than this big guy has turned up. And it's a great big prop. And the great big prop comes round and slices the guy. Although, of course, you never see that because it's a kid's film. But that's what happens. Listen, someone bigger 
than the captain of the guard has turned up. Someone bigger than Goliath has turned up. God shows up. The powerful, almighty God has come. What's your eye on? Is your eye on your Goliath or is your eye on the Lord? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on, we've got to get a bigger vision of God. Sometimes our God is too small. Sometimes we see God as tiny. God is mighty and powerful and he will strengthen. He will empower. He will turn up. He does turn up. David, secondly, David uses the right weapons. That was the first point was David sees things clearly. Second point is David uses the right weapons. He doesn't fight with Saul's armor. He doesn't fight. When we hit our battles, when we hit our Goliaths, we shouldn't fight with worldly weapons, money, cunning, strength, compromise, negotiation, wheeling and dealing. We're not called to negotiate our way. with Goliath will never negotiate with us. He'll never be bought off. He'll defeat us if we use worldly weapons. We're called to use different weapons. It talks in uh, a wonderful verse in Corinthians, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. They demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We've got powerful weapons, friends. We've got the anointing of the Spirit. We've got God's Word. We've got truth and justice. We've got prayer and fasting. We've got unity. We've got the name of Jesus. See, that's what, that's what David said. I can, you come against me like this, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that when your Goliath comes up towering against you, you just go, Jesus. <laughs> doesn't just, that's not what the name of the Lord means. See, I love your Canadian police. Your, your, and your Canadian police can carry weapons, don't they? Yeah. See, our police don't do that. They just carry a badge. <laughs> but what they've learned, our police, I'm not saying yours haven't, but our police know that there's power in that badge. And sometimes they'll step out of you in front of your car and they'll say, stop. Now, I could drive them over. I've got a fairly big car. I could take them out. You know, that I could get him. But I don't. Why? Because he's carrying with me. I mean, your guys could take me out. <laughs> Our guys couldn't. But they come with an authority. They come in the name of the Lord. Listen, we come in the name of the Lord. We come in the authority of We come as commissioners. We come as ambassadors. We come representing the living God. And we can say, in the name of Jesus, shut up. When that lust rises up, you don't just have to say, oh, I better do it then. Let's do it quick. Let's look at the porn quick. Just get it over with. We don't have to do that. When that bitterness and anger and temper flares up, just, oh, let's just, let's just have a crossword. And... We don't need to do that. We can say no in Jesus' name. We can say, get behind me, Satan. We can say, in the name of the Lord, stop. When things come into our family life, when things press in on us, we have authority in Jesus' name to say, no, thank you very much. We resist that. We rebuke that. I love what David does. He gets these little stones. Some commentators helpfully say, these are like promises from God. These are like the words of God. He's just picking them up. What's your promises from God? got words. I can remember when Anne and I were getting married. I was only 20 years old. You'd have said I was stupid. (laughs) No, for being 20 years old. (laughs) 
And I can remember, I can remember saying, God, I'm so young. I'm just a David. Is it, should I, marriage, is this right? Uh, and God's speaking to me from his word. You're, one of the Psalms, your wife will be a fruitful vine in your house. Spoke to me about Anne. Yes, Lord. I can remember our f- buying our first house. You know, 20 years old, buying a house. And it was really in a time of recession. Interest rates were massively high, about 15% in those days in the UK. Should, and I had no job. <laughs> and we were buying a house. You fool. I th- it's just, this Goliath came against me. Should I, should I do that? I remember reading, again, it was a psalm, and it said, it's just how amazing God speaks to you. And it said, they shall build, they shall, it was a new house we were looking for. It was a tiny little one, two up, two down. But it said, they shall build new houses, and you shall inhabit them. I go, thank you, Lord, I've got a stone now against my Goliath. I can remember when God called us to move from the south of England to the north of England. The south is where I grew up. I, I'm very happy on the south. North of England's full of northerners. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, weird, weird things. And weird, well, I don't, you know, but God spoke to me at one prayer of fasting out of I. He said, look up Isaiah 54. It was the nearest I heard to an audible voice. I looked around, I thought somebody had said it. And I thought, Isaiah 54, I know what that is. That's all about Jesus and the Messiah and the suffering. So no, that you fool. That was Isaiah 53. Isaiah 54 is all about stretching out your tent, moving places, stretching. I thought, ah, oh, Lord, you're sp- I've got a stone now against my Goliath. I was being taunted. Who are you, southern boy? No, I've got a stone. Have you got some stones from God? Have you got hold of some promises of God and from God? Are you treasuring them in your heart? What's taunting you here? Sometimes we can feel here in Fredericton, we're just a little town, like we said on Friday, little town of Bethlehem, just a little town. Somebody said to me, I think Marilyn said to me, that the New Brunswick province sometimes is known as the kind of have-not province. Everything's over in Toronto. Everything's over in the West. We, just, we, haven't mu- we haven't got much. Listen, we've got God with us. What's your Goliath that's taunting you? You can't build a big church here in Fredericton. You can't build a church like this on New Testament foundations. It doesn't work. You can't get an eldership in unity together. It do- What's taunting you? You alpha won't work. You don't, it's a you know, modern man's not going to listen to the gospel. It's all, you know, he, he's much more interested in global warming and, and international finance and peace. Deal. He's not in, earthquakes around. He's not interested in the gospel. What taunts you? Listen, let's get some words from God. Let's get some promises from God. And let's start to apply them. Let's start to bring down these enemies. David uses the right weapons. Thirdly, David has complete victory. I never noticed this as a little boy because I used to love this story. It was one of those that had the big pictures. And you know the kids' Bibles? This had a big picture, didn't it? It's a good story. It's an exciting, dynamic picture. And David standing over Goliath. My Bible never showed the head coming off. <laughs> See, if you read it carefully, it's, it looks like the stone knocked him out. But David made sure... And he said, I'm going to take your head off. And he completed the job. How many of us don't complete the job? I've got a bit of victory over finances. I've got, a, I've got that debt down a bit. I'm starting to give a bit. I think I'm doing okay. I think I can rely on my own strength now. No, David didn't say that. David said, let's take the head off. I mean, I don't look at porn that much now. Perhaps, you know, only once a month. That's not so bad, is it? Now, let's take the whole head off. Well, yeah, we, I know we fight at home, but we, we only argue once a month now. It's not, it's not as bad as it was. Now, let's take the whole head off. Come on, what is your issue you're struggling with? Come on, take the whole head off. If you don't, the head will come back to bite you. Literally bite you. Saul, 
King Saul, who we're talking about, was told at one point by Samuel, go and kill all the Amalekites. Saul killed all the nasty-looking ones and kept a few nice ones for himself. When Saul was killed, guess who killed him? An Amalekite. If you don't take the head off, if you don't bring to complete victory, it'll come back and bite you. There were three places where Joshua didn't complete the job. One was a place called Gaza. Still in trouble today. Interestingly enough, Samson died at Gaza. Another one was Ashdod. Ashdod are the people that take the ark and have the ark when it's captured by the Philistines. The third place is a little town called Gath. Guess who comes from Gath? If you don't complete the victory, it comes back to bite you. Goliath would have never been born if Joshua had done the job right. Listen, let me encourage you. Whatever it is in your life, whatever you're struggling with, take hold of it and get its head off. Bring it through to complete victory. Lastly, last point. This should remind us of another victory. It should remind us of another David. It should remind us of David's greater son. It should remind us of a day when one man goes on behalf of a whole nation. Because what happens when David gets the victory? It says the whole Israeli army gathered up confidence, gathered up strength and pressed in and took the spoils. That should remind us of another great victory. It should remind us of the day that Jesus paid for our sins and took the head off Goliath that taunted us. Took the head off sin and death should remind us that a weak, pathetic disciples that followed him suddenly on that day of Pentecost got faith, got filled with the Spirit and pressed in and took the heads off some Goliaths, took the heads off those who were mocking them, took the heads off fear, took the heads off their lack of confidence and pressed in and turned the world upside down. Our great Jesus has conquered. He has done it. He has slain the enemy. And we like that weak, pathetic Israeli army, go and get all the spoils. It's not just for David's sake, it's for the army's sake. It says in Colossians, having disarmed powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It says Jesus said in Matthew 16, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will place their hands on sick people and they'll get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs and wonders that accompanied it. Listen, folks, we can press in and take the spoils. If you're sick here this morning, we can proclaim healing in Jesus name if you're troubled by demonic voices demonic strongholds we can say get out in the name of Jesus if you have financial issues that are towering over you we can say we're going to take your head off we're going to get some promises from the word of God and we're going to fling a stone right into your forehead you're coming down boy 
If you're troubled by lust and greed, materialism, fear, bitterness, whatever it is, your Goliath, it's coming down. And God is causing David to rise in confidence. You see, the truth is this. We are in Christ. And God is going to cause you, as a Christ follower, as one who's in Jesus, to have victories just like David.